Okay, okay so before we start, um, welcome everyone. This is Carolyn Caseglia uh, sitting in for Chicky Fitzgerald. It's the Executive Girlfriends Group uh, February 18th edition on the eve of the holiday, President's Holiday Weekend. And our guest is Lisa Morris, who is the founder of Road Concierge. And Lisa uh, comes from a very interesting background. She was a, an actress and entertainer starting from a very young age and went on t uh, to, to have a long profession uh, traveling all over the world. And out of that, she birthed a baby. And uh, she's going to talk to us about that very special baby, uh, that very uh, niche, niche product that she created. So, Lisa, why don't you give us a background on how – how what what struck you how you came to this uh this idea for this meet well, as you said i i was out on tour basically from the time i was 17 until the time i was 30 almost nonstop with various broadway musicals and as i traveled throughout the country and was staying in hotels living in hotels i felt like the travel agents that were taking care of our accommodations and our travel didn't quite understand what we went through out there on the road and so I thought it would be a great idea for someone that actually came from a production background and had actually been on tour and been the client to start a travel company that dealt specifically originally when I started with the theatrical touring market. What I found was that when I was able to accommodate the theatrical market, the music industry started to open up to me as well as film crews and uh, even some corporate travel. So it evolved. But when I started, it was really with the niche focus of taking care of the road warriors like I was uh, and dealing with the special needs that they have out on the road that are so vastly different from corporate travel. So you you obviously spent many, many years in, in theater. And it it seems to me it, it was a huge step for you to change. It had to be very, very courageous to make that step. So well, let's talk about that. It was. I mean, theater was really all I'd known. I'd been acting professionally since I was, was a child, and uh, it was my passion and my love. But I was lucky enough to be an actress that actually made my living performing and didn't have to, you know, be a waitress or all, all other, you know, survival jobs. But I was never at the point where I could live in one place and work as an actress and support myself fully. So I had the option of, of moving to New York and, and being unemployed and doing temp jobs or starting a new career, turning over a new leaf. And I decided when I was 30 that it might be time after traveling for so long to learn what it was like to actually live in one place and, and put down roots and potentially meet someone and get a dog. I'm happy to report I did get the dog, adorable <laughs> little dachshund named Winston, um, but just to see what it was like. And it was a huge adjustment. I mean, when I first came home, I actually put a pizza box out in the hallway of my apartment building because I was so used to room service coming and picking it up from hotels. And <laughs> when I walked out my door and saw the box there, I realized, oh, my goodness, I, this is an apartment, not a hotel. Uh, it was that much of a culture shock to live in an apartment uh, in one place and have mail that actually came to my building and not in a mail pouch out on various hotels being forwarded. Um, so that was an adjustment. And, you know, of course, when you, when you give up doing something that you've done for a long time and that you love, it's difficult and it's scary, very scary. I didn't know how successful my company would be, but I did know that I wanted different things in my life that I didn't think I was going to have if I continued as an actress. And I wanted to leave acting while I still had work 
and not at the point where I was just getting frustrated and not working, which can easily happen for women over a certain age in musical theater. And you were you were actually doing you actually started up you know uh, this this business while you were still acting, but really not charging for your service. And yeah, well, we you had some. <laughs> yeah, talk about some of the high heavy hitters that were <laughs> calling on you. Well, what happened was that, you know, because I was out on tour and I knew where I wanted to stay, um, the company would give us an official hotel option. But because the theatrical contracts work where you actually pay your own hotel room, they can't force you to stay at, at the company hotel. They just provide the option. So I was always going and making deals on my own with hotels and bringing all the other cast members with me. Uh, but I was not negotiating commission. At the time, I was just trying to make sure that I had the best hotel. But a tour manager that I was out with on the on the last show I did as a performer noticed that I was constantly doing it. And on that show, um, the star of the show uh, was a guy named Tommy Toon, very famous uh, Broadway legend. And the travel agency made a big mistake with him, and he was quite upset. And I fixed the problem and got him a hotel that was much more suitable and earned his trust. And then that when that tour ended, the uh, company manager asked me if I would help him with his next tour because he'd watched me in action for an entire year and felt very comfortable with me and, and did not want to work with the travel agency that had made this mistake and embarrassed him in front of the star. And that, and that really started me off. And I didn't know how you actually made money from this. I just knew I was really good at understanding hotels and negotiating deals. But I finally figured out, okay, it's a commission-based system. So I got a federal tax ID and I started booking. Uh, then I hit my first Marriott hotel, and Marriott asked me for my IATA number for commission. And I actually had to say, what? Yeah, I didn't even know what an IATA number was. And, of course, mm -hmm. that is how you get recognized as a, as a legitimate travel professional and how you get commissions from properties. So, lo and behold, Marriott inspired me to get my, my IATA number, and I started building more and more clients. My, my, second client was, my first client was Jersey Boys. And then I got Spamalot, and then I got Hairspray, and then I realized that this was actually a very viable career. And I stopped auditioning. I called my agent and said no more auditions and really just made the move to start focusing on building road concierge. So that first year was kind of rough for you because you were, you know, bootstrapping it. Let's talk about that a little bit, what you uh, uh, had to do in terms of, you know, bringing in oh. some income to su supplant what you had to do. Yeah, the first year was really incredible. Um, first, I was dealing with the acclimation of being off the road and not performing anymore. I also knew that I did not want to borrow any money to start my company. I didn't want any debt, and I did not want to be reliant on any kind of you know, lending service. So I started just my cell phone and my computer working for my apartment, and then I figured out that I still needed income and I still needed health insurance. So I actually worked three jobs the first year of my business. I worked out a deal with a hedge fund that was looking for a receptionist, and they didn't really have a whole lot of work for the receptionist to do, but what they needed was somebody to sit up front and deliver packages and food when it came in because they could not get up from the trading floor. And so I said to them, well, listen, you know, I can work for you for a very, very low wage since you don't actually need a whole lot done if you will give me health benefits and allow me use of the office and understand that I'll be building my business from your office. And they were agreeable to that. So I had a free office with a conference room. I had access to supplies. I had access to a phone with multiple lines. I was able to help them without them having to spend a lot of money for a job that didn't require a lot of work. 
and I was able to get myself health insurance. But I still needed some real money to come in, so on weekends I worked at a wine store selling wine for additional cash, as well as the money I was starting to make from road concierge. So the first year was a lot. I mean, three jobs, worked seven days a week, and I also uh, was getting used to not being a performer anymore. So it was a very, very big year of adjustment. And, Lisa, um, share with with, uh, the ladies what you feel is your strongest, unique selling proposition. Obviously, there are other travel companies that do entertainment travel. There's one big one in New York, another one in L.A., you know, the list goes on. But you have a real unique uh, approach to to the business and and kind of share some of that, that and some of the experiences that you bring to the table. I do. Well, again, yes, there's plenty of travel agencies out there, and, and many do specialize in entertainment. I bring the experience of having been on the road for so many years, and that's something that when I'm talking to the tour managers or general managers that typically hire the travel agency, that they feel comfortable with because they understand that I get what they do and I read their language. Um, there's a lot of very qualified travel professionals who don't really understand production, and it's a lot harder to learn production, the lingo, the needs, the hours, the requests. I was already well-versed in that, so they immediately had a trust level with me. Um, I don't ask for any type of contract commitment or service level agreement, and I don't charge any fees to the client. So. In terms of pitching, I said, listen, I'm the risk taker here because I can do all this research for you and you can choose not to take the hotel. I'm only paid if you sign a contract. So the person had nothing to lose by giving me an opportunity to present them with what I could do. And then I would really fight for the rates. I would get the deal. They would use me and I would start to get a client. So I built their trust. They know that I negotiate the lowest possible rates. I am so honest about it. I never inflate a commission. I never steer a client towards a property just because that property wants to throw things at me. I always put the client's interest first. I get on the phone and I deal directly with sales. I don't, you know, just go through a GDS or look for the – I really, really negotiate every single dollar. And I negotiate a lot of concessions that I'm not paid for. And I think that's a big difference between me and a lot of other agencies Most agencies, you know, it's a business, and they're there to provide the room as they're supposed to. But I go the extra mile and negotiate things like free laundry or ways for them to do their laundry on the road or keeping the bar open late at night because my people finish a show. They don't have a car. They just have a tour bus. And in a lot of these cities, you can't walk to anything. So I make sure that the hotel will find a way for them to have food late at night. Uh, Those little things improve the quality of life out on the road and make people on the road feel more comfortable working with you because you understand it. I also work 24 hours a day. I sleep with my cell phone. I literally turned an old microphone belt into an iPhone strap that I put on my thigh, and I sleep with it at night. So when somebody calls me at 2 in the morning or 4 o'clock in the morning, they're still getting me, somebody who knows everything about their account. They're not getting a call center that they have to explain everything to. They're not leaving a message. They're getting me, and they're getting what they need taken care of. I don't charge any after-hours fees. Many corporate travel agencies, if you call them past normal business hours, they'll charge you for that. I don't do that. These are all things that I believe separate me from a lot of my competitors. In addition, I give a large percentage of my profits to the Actors Fund, which is a charity that supports people in the arts, actors, musicians, technicians, management, and just using me, a free service, they're also knowing that they're able to give back to their own community at no charge to them. 
So for some people, that's also a, a bonus in using my company. That's great. Now, um, one of the questions um, that I have for you as well is, um, you know, you've got you've got theater in your bones. You've got entertaining in, in your bones. It's inherent in, in your personality and what you do. So are you taking advantage of that? Are you continuing to be able to do some of that, um, well, given the fact that you're working so much? Sadly, I'm not. I, I work way too many hours to be able to audition, to rehearse, or to perform, which is sad. I know it devastates my parents. You know, you hear so many parents that don't want their kids to go into show business. My parents are devastated that I left. You know, they miss hearing me sing. And, and that that is a difficult thing to deal with. But I try to use my theatrical background to my advantage. For example, um, I know you said one of the, the people on this call might be from American Express. American Express Open uh, sponsors a wonderful competition for female entrepreneurs called Make Mine a Million, Count Me In. And we actually, uh, after you do a written application, uh, finalists are selected, and then we do a live pitch, American Idol style, in front of judges and a live audience about our business, an elevator pitch. And they vote on the, the business that they believe you know, has the most success. And I was able to win that. And I believe one of the reasons I was an awardee at that program was my ability to stand up in front of people and explain my business comfortably. I also just finished a guest speaking engagement for the Travel Weekly Leisure World Conference. I'm able to lead. I'm able to speak comfortably in front of people, which is also a very useful thing when it comes to sales. Useful and necessary, <laughs> very much. Yeah, I mean, I know a lot of brilliant, brilliant people who freeze when they're in front of a crowd or have to speak. You know, they could they could create a PowerPoint like you would not believe, but once they have to stand up there, it's just they're not comfortable. I'm the opposite. I need someone on my staff to create the PowerPoint for me. I have no idea how to do that, but you give me some bullet points and I can talk. So, so you are still using your talents. I am still you using are. your talents. <laughs> yeah, but I don't usually sing when I go to interviews. You Maybe never I know. Try a you never know. Pitch next, yeah. <laughs> we we may have you do a song for us. No. Um, Okay, so you've been in business, what, four or five years already? or Yeah, four and a half years. Wow. And um, what have been some of the challenges that you faced along the way? Well, um, a few things that are sort of, I guess, cost of doing business. But as a small business, I have to spend an enormous amount of time trying to collect commissions from hotels. Um, contractually, they owe it but there's inevitably a mistake, a delay, a stall. They sell the property to a new owner. The new owner is not responsible for the old owner. So, you know, I've lost a lot of revenue. I have to, to write off a, quite a bit of money every year in unpaid commissions, most of which are under $100 each. So the amount of time it takes to pursue a, an invoice for $72 can cost me $400 in staff time. Mm -hmm. That's been a huge challenge for me. Um, there hasn't been a – I've been looking into ways to try to automate that, uh, but because these are not transient rooms booked through a GDS system, it's, it still has to be a manual invoice and a manual call. And we're doing so much volume that we churn out so many invoices that to have to follow up on them instead of having them paid within 90 days uh, is a huge challenge for us. Um, mm -hmm. Personally, I have the challenge of life-work balance. I am a workaholic. Um, I do sleep with my phone, as I said. And as you can imagine, that's not – the greatest thing when it comes to a personal relationships. 
so that's been a challenge too, uh, trying to balance my work ethic and my desire to always be there and always answer the phone with my ability to have a life because people travel 24 hours a day, people travel seven days a week, people travel on holidays. And I have yet to feel comfortable leaving the office for an extended period of time. I have a fantastic staff. I have a wonderful staff. But my staff is not going to answer the phone at 2 a.m. They work their hours that they are hired to work, and that's it. So Mm -hmm. I've had a hard time separating myself from the company, which you know also makes it harder to be really scalable and to grow at the level we could. I've had to turn down some fantastic business opportunities because I just wasn't large enough to handle those accounts. Yeah. So that's been a challenge, but you don't want to hire so many people that you can handle an account like that and then have one account close and suddenly you're paying for all this additional staff. So mm-hmm. I've been very strategic. I do have alliances with other agencies, larger agencies, access to additional staff when I need it per project. I do a lot of that. If I get a huge, say, a award show I'm doing or a major event where I need a lot of additional staff, I will do a lot of temporary hiring and consulting. But that's a challenge for me, balancing how much work we have with the number of people I have on staff and always knowing cash flow-wise what would be smart, when I should hire more and when not to hire more. Mm-hmm. Those are, um, and also whether to sell or not. I've been approached by, by several different companies about acquisition. And, you know, you don't know, am I too young of a company to even consider something like that, or is that the very thing that's going to allow my company to grow and never have to turn down clients because I have access to so much more infrastructure? That's something I battle with. Uh, the opportunity is there. I have offers on the table. But when you're running a company that's doing so well on your own, do you want to mess with that formula? <laughs> so, you know, there's there's a lot of consideration there. I've thought quite a bit about it, you know, the advantages that a larger agency might be able to offer me and the disadvantage of losing the control that I have over the company and, and worry that my product could uh, be changed or warped in some way that makes us just like the companies that I compete with instead of what we are. Right. Well, Lisa, I found, you know, your whole business model and you to be very refreshing and certainly you're you're as relentless as they come. Um, <laughs> which is, you which is why you're excited of my negotiations. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, but maybe someday. But um because I'm sure you're gonna need a GDS or a, a solution provider anyway. <laughs> Um, But, no, I wanted to open it up to um, uh, the other ladies so that they could have a chance because I'm sure there's a lot of uh, different questions that they have for you as well. So I'm going to open it up to the other girls. Sure. Um, Hi, Lisa. This is Marge. And um, I wish I thought of that (laughs) model a few years back because it is a niche um, you have a niche in, the, in that business, and there was a short time uh, that I was working for um, a large travel management company, and uh, they had a very large client that was in, you know, in the in entertainment business. And um, though I I wasn't hands on with bookings or anything like that, but I got a little bit of an education about production work uh, or production and and the the amount of people they had to move and what levels they were within, you know, within that, that production company, whether they were, you know, an actor or an actress that, that required, you know, five-star hotels or if they were the cameraman or, or someone that carries wires or whatever it might be. 
and there was a lot of moving pieces to it. So, you know, kudos to you for uh, tapping into that and, and, and being successful at it. But as I was listening to you talk about working 24 hours, uh, how do you really do it and, and maintain that um, – that that all the balls don't drop, so to speak, because it, 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 there's a lot of moving pieces to it. There are, and that's, you know, um, I'm able to keep all the moving pieces going, but whether or not that's, you know, you also have to worry about your own personal health, which is, I think, more of an issue, is what's going to happen if I keep up this pace or continue to grow and take on more and more and more. I mean, eventually a ball will drop if you take on too much. Right, because you have um, to be able to, to sustain, and that's why before you mentioned I was thinking, well, you know, have you partnered with anyone or kind of uh, uh, be part of a, a larger group where you still can maintain the the uh, level of service that you're providing and those sorts of things? So it's a, a very interesting uh, uh, business you have. It is, and again, that is one of the things I consider all the time. But, you know, I feel like if I were to partner with anyone else, it has to be um, – companies with agents that are so proficient at what I do specifically because the last thing I need is for one of my tour managers that trusts me implicitly to be given to an, uh, an agent who randomly works for this larger company that has right. no idea what he or she are doing well, sounds and like make another, a mistake. Another side business could be the training, <laughs> the tra- have a training academy. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Then, then my acting will come back in, into uh, play. I love teaching and I love standing up. So, you know, you might have just given me a great idea for the future when we're really growing and growing and I start having staff handle the day-to-day and I could go out and do seminars and teach and train up agents. That's a great idea. Well, that's what happens with entrepreneurs. Um, you know, typically entrepreneur will start a company and then at some point they bring in other management to actually run the day-to-day and entrepreneur becomes that visionary and that strategist. And, you know, so, so that's, that's, that's a, uh, a typical path. So you're kind of on that path sooner or later. <laughs> Absolutely. I think for my company, yeah. I, I just have to, um, I think, work a few more years to the point where my company is branded enough that people want to work with the company and not specifically with me. Yeah. You know, that, that is, because again, also for growth, you need that. I can't handle every account. Wow. You've got to so, clone yourself. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately that's not possible. And so, you know, that, that has been an issue. I mean, there, there are certainly tours that I have other people on my staff as the lead person on. But I'm still hands-on in everything. Nothing happens in my office without me knowing about it. And you can't yeah. control something like that as it gets larger and larger and larger. It's not possible. So those are, you know, all of the challenges. And, and because of that, that Amex Open Make Mine a Million um, competition, I was able, one of the benefits of winning that is that you get hooked up in a Yahoo group with other female entrepreneurs that have won this award and that are in all sorts of different businesses, not all, nothing really with travel particularly, but all successful female entrepreneurs that we can basically have a, like a daily group and blog talking about, you know, anything from asking questions of each other to just venting at each other when we need assistance and knowing that there's other women out there that are struggling with the same battles, you know, when to delegate and when to take a break and when to hire and when to fire, you know, all of those things, um, are addressed in that group, and that's been incredibly helpful to me and my business. It's almost like free business coaching, not from a mm-hmm. specific coach, but from other women who are out there doing it and what they've experienced. We have a, a, a girl on our team and, and on, uh, within the Executive Girlfriends group, and she's not on the call today, but her name is Cecilia Dell. 
and she uh, started a company called Smart Destinations. And um, she is the, the president, and uh, her she has a partner who she started the company with, who was then her boyfriend at the time. They're not uh, they're they're they they split up many years ago, but he's the CEO, she's a president, and uh, so she's been through the mill uh, of all the growing pains, and um, she'd be a good contact for you to tap into for uh, advice as well. Fantastic. Yeah. Do we have any other questions or curiosities? Or Yeah, this is Rebecca. I wanted to ask Lisa about, um, on your website you have a, a group hotel bid. Um, is that yes. something it, that you've created, this? It is a fantastic, fantastic website. Um, group hotel bid basically allows anybody. So say you're you know, a mom and you've got a, a kid with a cheerleader team that's going out of town or you want to plan a reunion or a wedding or any type of group travel. You could just enter in what you're looking for. The hotels will return with their availability and best rate. But unlike, you know, traditional, you know, Hotels.com or Expedia or that type of thing where you're trying to book through those agencies, um, with this you actually get to contact the hotel sales department directly and work out your own deal from there and personalize what you need. So say you're a bride searching for the perfect wedding venue. Rather than calling every hotel in town without an idea of what you want, you're able to use this to narrow the field and then actually contact each hotel and have further discussions before any commitment to book. Um, so it's a really great resource. I use it internally as a sourcing tool for like an electronic RFP, uh, but it's also a wonderful, wonderful tool for people to book um, whenever they need a group and they don't actually want the assistance of a hands-on travel agent. Um, they can essentially become their own group travel agent. The site is uh, extensive. We've got thousands and thousands of hotels. Uh, it's an affiliate of Hotel Planner that was split off and made a little bit more entertainment friendly, but we have access to all of their deals with uh, AAA and, and everything else. So it's a really great resource for people that are booking five rooms or more. You can also book transient rooms on the site, but for transient rooms, I mean, it's a great resource as well, but I think there's a lot of great resources out there on the web if you're just looking for one room. I think there are very few great resources out there on the web for group hotels, and I think that group hotel bid is a, is a fantastic, fantastic resource. So it's a partner of yours? Yes. Good. Yeah. It was basically an existing – I had found um, Hotel Planner online, and I liked the way it worked. I liked the site, but it didn't quite work for me as an agent to use it. Um, it wasn't specific enough to my group. It didn't give me the comparison feature that I need for my clients. When I present my clients with a hotel option – I present a lot more than the rate and the tax. I'm presenting a very detailed RFP form that has everything from if the windows open and if there's refrigerators and you know do how late is the restaurant open and do they have a breakfast and it's a very extensive form. And I actually compare hotel line by line using this form. And so what I did was I worked out a deal with Hotel Planner where we created this affiliate site, which is my site, Group Hotel Bid, and it's a little bit more geared towards uh, the people that want that detailed comparison and mapping feature, but it has access to all of their database of hotels and rates. It's good to know. Yeah. Okay. Any other questions, ladies? Yes, this is Amanda Carlson. I have a question. Lisa, okay. I heard you um, talking about um, Marriott as the first hotel that you 
it seemed that you had went to to try to broker some kind of an ongoing business relationship with? Uh, no, it wasn't the first. It wasn't the first hotel I went to to broker a relationship. It was the first hotel I had started booking hotels, and I'd probably booked twenty or thirty properties using a Fed Tax ID. Marriott was the first hotel that would not pay a commission without an IATA number. I see. Mm-hmm. So they made me aware of, of IATA. I didn't even know about IATAN. I didn't know that that was, you know, what vetted travel agents were or had. I just was booking hotels. I was just organizing it like a group leader and then getting a commission worked in. And most hotels were willing to work with that, but Marriott was not. And so they were the ones who educated me that I needed to join IATAN if I wanted to be viewed as a professional travel agent and deserve my commission. I see. I see. But I work with every, I work with every different train. Um, I work with... You know, Hyatt, Hilton, Marriott, Starwood, Carlson, um, Choice, every every major chain that you can think of. Highgate, uh, I work with all of them. I have national reps for the most of the larger chains, and then I work you know, with individual properties for those that I know are independently owned or managed properties. I see, and I'm trying to sell my product to hotels, and I'm having a hard time knowing exactly how to get to the right person. Um, are national reps like a go-between? Yeah, a national sales rep has access to the database of who's the director of sales or the on-site sales managers for all of their properties in their portfolio. Um, but that, of course, is dealing with sleeping rooms or, or events and meetings. I'm not sure what your product is, if it's something where you would need to be speaking with somebody more in the marketing department as opposed to sales. I, I'm not exactly sure. Um, right. But if you're trying to work out a sales deal, then yes, a national sales contact is able to help you get what you need out quickly to their various properties and translate sometimes from what I need on my end to how they need to do it internally for their specific brand. You know, every hotel works a little bit differently. Um, we, I use one contract that I've created that's a very simple green one-page deal. I won't usually sign external hotel contracts. And so you send it to the individual property, and they come back and want to use theirs. My national rep is able to explain that, you know, I have used my contract with all of these other hotels in their brand and that my groups have been reliable and my groups pay their bills um, so that I'm able to convince that property to work with my contract, that, that sort of a thing they're very helpful with. In terms of pitching your own product or services, you might want to look into the director of marketing for each hotel because that person would probably have a lot more to do with um, product than if you're not looking for actual rooms. Right. Okay. Well, thanks so much. Sure. Okay. Any other questions, ladies? No? Okay. Well, um, Lisa, thank you very, very much. We uh, thoroughly enjoyed uh, hearing all about your adventure, and I uh, look forward to hearing and seeing more. And thank you. thank you for taking the time today to spend with us on our Friday afternoon. Thank um, you for taking the time to listen. Yeah. So with that, I will ask um, Rebecca, I guess you can turn the recording off, and then we'll go to um, the next part of the call where we just kind of talk about our week, and you're more than welcome to stay with us, Lisa, or you can uh, choose to begin your, your happy hour a little bit sooner. It, it